0: What's up, internet, and welcome back to this week's edition of the Comics Pals Comic Reviews. On this week's show, we are going to be reviewing Strange Adventures number nine, X-Men number nineteen, and Beta Ray Bill number one. Uh, So let's kick things off uh, on the DC side of the fence. So, of course, Strange Adventures number nine by the creative team of Tom King, Mitch Gerads, and Evan Dockshaner of course so we are we're kind of getting to the end of the the road here right this is 9 of 12 we're kind of in the the last chunk of the story uh marco as the one who's been the hottest on this this series as a whole how'd you feel about issue 9
1: this issue was okay uh i feel like i've been hotter on, on other ones but this one was, you know, it was fine. I, it, it definitely gives you context into sort of the atrocities and the the context around like what it is that Adam's done, what sort of Alana is kind of covering up, what the whole background is, but it didn't feel impactful. And I think for me, that was, that was the biggest issue with this was that it felt like it's been building up and this reveal which i think we mostly kind of figured out um, was that you know some kind of war crime was involved yeah and it's it was a little weird I and mean, maybe this is like a little cynical but it felt like it was whatever I, I mean it was obviously like a like a massacre but it was still just kind of like all right yeah i i get what you mean um and
0: i've been kind of struggling to articulate that because I I think the pace of this issue bothered me more than anything. I think this was the issue where the um, the kind of back and forth of the two timelines and the two art styles. Like, this was the first issue where I felt like it didn't work. Um, oh, very
2: herky-jerky. Yeah. Yes,
0: yeah. A- especially in the earlier part of the issue, I was struggling to follow what was happening.
2: Were there... D- I don't know if you guys Marco, you might know, were there delays on this book?
1: I believe there were. Yeah. I believe there were like a few. Um because this would have come out like a month or two ago.
2: Cause I my trouble, I mean, as with all these books, is I hadn't all I came in with almost no context. Um, I just could not remember. I, I couldn't remember what happened. Uh, and like, there's nothing here to
0: really like ground you,
2: like give it to you.
0: Yeah. yeah. Which I don't, isn't inherently a problem, but I think it speaks to something that I know you and I have said from the beginning of like, I would have preferred to have read this in a, in a chunk rather than month yeah. to month. Yeah. Um, But I also think, I think for I don't know. I, I kind of felt that way at the beginning, but I kind of got back up to speed very quickly. I was like, right, okay, the pickets are attacking in in the current timeline, and that's being juxtaposed with, you know, the reveal of the war crimes of it all. So I felt lost at the beginning in the same way that you did, Kale, because it feels like it has been a while since we read this, but um, I felt like I was able to kind of get back into it quick enough. So I didn't necessarily have that problem, but it was kind of like just getting in the rhythm of the issue at the beginning because there's current-day dialogue over flashbacks, and that was throwing me off.
2: Yeah. I, 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 I started to sort of feel like their styles were starting to blend together, and I I think that's on purpose.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I felt that way at the beginning, too, where like you have these very similar kind of moments being juxtaposed, and and I think that is probably a device... Um, yeah. It wasn't necessarily bad. I think it was just more because I've been so used to it, and it's never bothered me. The fact that I had to like go back and reread a thing to be like, "Where am I?" Um, yeah, was strange because that's really never happened to me before with this book. And you think it would? Well, it's a strange adventure. Sure. Um. Yeah. But but I did just want to comment on one more thing that Marco said before. I'll I'll kick it back to you, Kale, which was the idea that it felt kind of like. Anticlimactic. Um I very much felt that way. Because and I don't know, maybe this is the intention on some level, but like I've felt like this entire book were not really supposed to be aligned with Adam and Alana. Right? Like yeah. that they are right. hiding something, that they're doing something sinister, and you know, we know the Justice League are are good guys, right? And I've kind of felt like it's been portrayed in that way. But when the ultimate reveal is this, you know, these war crimes that are, are are absolutely war crimes. Don't get me wrong. They're fucked up. But, like, it almost feels like... It, I don't know. It almost feels like there should be more.
2: That's my thing. I, I think the war crimes are just, like, the surface level of what he's done. Yeah. And that's why the Justice League is mad about it because... You know, they can't stand for this, but there's something like like Adam has carried the weight of all this for so long and he's gone on and done all this.
0: There's something else that's coming. I think uh,
2: the, the
0: this this isn't the reveal, the letter that Mr. Terrific is writing to Alana, right? Like, I feel like yeah. the reveal is that he killed his daughter, you know, like that. Yeah. Or something very similar yeah and like sean kind of threw out that theory i think an issue or two ago with like the i love you daddy and he's just dead in the fucking face and like
1: oh yeah phil, phil called that out
0: oh phil yeah yep. okay so yeah i i i think you're right kale that there is something more sinister to come but i kind of feel like that i don't know like that's that's rubbing me the wrong way in a way because it's like i I buy that, I buy that there's more, but I feel like this should still feel like it's the reveal, you know, this should feel like the, holy shit, like, how could he do that, you know, and it's like, I don't know, like, it is, like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that chemical warfare isn't serious, but it's also, like, the idea that, like, the Justice League is judging him for, like, doing shit that you do in war while he was in war is kind of, like, It just doesn't, I don't know, like it it feels kind of weird. And and I guess maybe that's the point is that it is supposed to be murky. And there's Mm -hmm. like the journalists, you know, whatever, not journal, commentators on television who are like justifying his actions. And Mm -hmm. and we as a reader are maybe supposed to be like, is that really that? You know what I mean? I don't know. And maybe that's the exercise we're supposed to be going through. Um, But I did kind of feel like Marco did where like it left me cold a little bit.
2: Yeah, I I guess the only thing for me is that, like, we still have three issues left.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah.
2: You know, so, like, yes, I'm with you. I probably didn't feel the way I I think I should feel about, like, his war crimes. But, like, you know, the story is set from Adam's point of view. Mm -hmm. And he's already been grounded in this character that's, like... Yes, I've been through war. Yes, I'm a man of two worlds. Yes, I've done all these things, these things that you guys just can't understand, but there's something that's haunting me, and it's not this.
0: Yeah, right? Because even Alana says, like, we're not ashamed of this. Like, we're not ashamed of any of the war, the, you know, quote-unquote war crimes, Um, which is interesting, right? Because it implies that there is more. Well, and the, the dramatic reveal, like isn't
2: the justice league because he's not intimate with the justice league right like yeah his partner is the person who he's intimate with and that he's clearly keeping something from right and that's you know that's going to be the real the real hit
0: i it's funny too because i i kind of like had a moment too where Again, you know, I felt myself kind of um, not necessarily identifying or or anything, but, like, empathizing somewhat with Adam's position, right, where, like, he's out there fighting and Superman's like, what are you doing out here? Go home. And he's like, I asked you for help. Like, I begged you for help. And you guys refused. You refused to help me. And then now you're going to judge me for what I did. And, like, that does seem kind of fucked up, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know...
2: The Justice League—it's like you know—it's something that's—it's—it's it's a criticism that uh, has been levied at them before. I mean, uh, the biggest example to me is um, Justice League Unlimited. In the very first episode, when uh, it's a Green Arrow episode, he's the focus because they're just starting this big recruitment drive, and the Green Arrow is like nah, man, you guys got to, you know, your eyes are too far on the stars. You're not out here looking for the little people. Yeah. And you know, who, who do I have? What can I offer? And, and Batman's like, well, we're here to stop the things from stepping on the little people. And so like Adam, should be part of that right like the justice league Mm -hmm. but you know his eyes on the stars he's this perfect hero and that's the the
0: position he's been put in but he's not yeah well and 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 even if maybe even if if he ever was right like he's been irreverably damaged by war he was a pow like he's he's (laughs) fucked up you know like he he is mentally ill at this point like Or maybe not mentally ill, but, like, he's unwell, you know? Um, He's clearly still dealing with, like, PTSD and, and, you know, um, yeah. Like, he's been broken. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And it does feel a little bit reminiscent of kind of, like, I think, you know, and again, right, this is a a rife area for Tom, but, like, the idea of, like, how I feel like we treat soldiers in America, right? Where, like, uh, we glorify the idea of the troops, Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and what that represents or whatever, right? Like defending America and all that kind of shit. And it's like, that's not but, really what but it's about. Ignore,
2: ignore the soldier who comes home and, yeah. you know, yeah. is, yeah, homeless and, uh, broken and, yeah. you know, needs help.
0: And, and nobody is there to give them support, right? Like you take, yep. you usually a young, poor kid, right? Mm-hmm. Turn him into a killer and then, expect him to come home and snap back to just being a person. And like, that doesn't work. Um, And I think that that is clearly being mirrored in, in Adam, right. Of like, he's trying to just come home and you can't just come home.
1: Um, One of the things that I I thought was interesting was that I I think we've made the observation that like blues and oranges and reds are like typically the primary colors. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, here, there was a lot of green and like purple, um, which to me felt like contrasting colors. But all of the green moments, everything feels obscured.
0: Yeah, like all the war. Like,
1: uh, not even that. Like uh, like when well, the like the invasion. Yes. Yeah, the- that's I- what I meant to say. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, with the, the when the invasion's happening, everything feels like really cloudy and uh, just like there's stuff in the way, and this is all. Uh, this all happens as, you know, they're having conversations about, uh, what's been going on. The war crimes have been revealed, um, the, the interviews with the, the different, uh, was it Ellie and Brian, the, the news people. Yeah. So it, it felt like, a, adjacent to obscuring the truth, um, and only was what's his face uh mr terrific in the in the red which like previously was that indicator that he he understands that truth um so i just thought like it there was an interesting mix of colors here still the juxtaposition
0: that, of that specific page is really good the one that you're talking yeah. about with mr terrific where it's like um the the first and third panel it's a three panel page uh are like that warm orange and then mm-hmm. the middle is this like shot from the ground looking up at the invasion you know
2: yeah let me hit you
0: with this the
2: green is the color of the gas right right it's the echo of the war
0: oh sure, sure. Yeah, okay. yeah that's yeah. a good
2: point like all the all the parts you know like even even batman is is shaded in this green and it like marco says it's it's sort of hazy and uh things are blocked off and like the nurses um, are all wearing protective masks and you know they're all sort of you know they're going into the the uh, the the league uh hall, the hall of justice uh sort of in the opposite direction that the pickets were running
1: oh they're going uh, in
2: away right. from their from their fortress
1: okay interesting yeah yeah, th- there's just a lot of visual cues here that uh, I think worked, but to I think I think Kelly, to your earlier point like it, it didn't work as well here. There was just like a lot more of that color variation or just like the transitions that felt a little uh a little rough to get to to sort of follow along on.
2: Yeah. I think the I think the color works still. I think it's the um the train the the sort of transition between I think what we're supposed to see what we're supposed to be seeing the blurring of the two styles Mm. you know
0: yeah like there's a lot of pages in this issue where there are where the two artists are on the same page yeah and historically the book has separated those things a little bit more they've felt more segmented Mm. but even it even feels like on you know and, and I don't know that there's
2: any one that I could particularly call out but There are a couple where it seems like they maybe even did the same panel.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
2: Maybe. That could be, you know, me just overlooking it, but or overanalyzing. Either
0: way, I think I think that 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 is something that is pretty unique to this issue, and I think it does lead to some of the disconnection that we're feeling um at least that's my read on it because like i don't think this is a bad issue you know like i i know i kind of came in hot on it um pointing out the things that that didn't work for me but i do think overall this was an effective issue um but i think this was this was the issue i felt like i saw the gears turning on the most if that makes sense
1: yeah it, it was it was good it just it was like a little lackluster i think
0: yeah. Yeah. And, and it's one that I think, again, like several of these issues in the context of the broader story um, works better than as a, a singular slice. Mm. But um, I, I am more interested in this book than I have been in a while um, as we ramp to the end and the fact that we're actually getting to the point where like things are being revealed, conflicts are coming to a head. Um, those are things that I'm excited to see. You're
2: interested in the interesting part.
0: Right. And we're finally here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've earned it, I guess. All right. So uh, let's jump over to the Marvel side of the fence. Uh, we're going to kick things off with X-Men number 19, uh, which is, of course, by the team of Jonathan Hickman, uh, Sonny Go, and Mumot... M- when Mood Ezrar. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I was like tripping right over my tongue on that one, um, but yeah. So this was uh, the follow up to the vault storyline, and you know, uh, last time we kind of got the, the, the beginnings of it, and you know, I I think we were we were into it to varying degrees. I know I I had personally expressed a little disappointment that we didn't get further into the timeline. Um, so this issue really scratched that itch for me. How'd you guys feel about it?
1: It was a little confusing to piece the pieces together, but I think once you sort of get it rolling, it became a little bit more enjoyable. Like once I kind of understood how everything was, was progressing. Um, and yeah, it was, it was good to finally see like these guys in action in, in the vault. That was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, frankly i'd forgotten what the children were so like i had to like do a little like uh refresher just googling something really quick sure. be like what, what was this again oh and, did you um, i
2: didn't even give it that
1: yeah they like, like, just like to remind myself what it was and stuff uh, but yeah do I, you, you was, need was a refresher
0: fun. kale <laughs> uh <nah. laughs> well they they tie to the future stuff they're the post the yeah. first generation of post humans the ones that end up wiping out the mutants in the future the children the com- are the are the progenitors mm-hmm. of that race.
1: They have like, the combined powers and all that.
0: Changes nothing for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So I, I oh, Kale, do you wanna? What what was your initial thoughts on the issue? Uh, well, let me say first, uh, Clayton Cowles
2: did the letter for both stra- lettering for both Strange Adventures and uh, X Men. Yes, and then Thank also you, Tom Muller. Does All the designs. design as always? Oh, in, the this red. one incredible! Yeah. I yeah. really love this. What I what I really really love about this, uh, the the diagram pages, is that's where the bulk of the action happens.
0: I feel like these yeah. are the
2: best they've been since House and Powers. Yeah, by a this, lot. This really felt like, uh, like condensing. I mean. Uh, at least a hundred years
1: mm-hmm.
2: given by the you know the um yeah I think it was more information given here yeah, yeah, condensing that into a timeline that was still compelling
0: yeah, it's like that's a that's a tall order, right like that's uh that's definitely not not easy to do and and i I agree with you, Marco that like it was a little tough to follow for me at first. Um, but i did feel like I got into the rhythm of it by the second time I want to say that the you know the timeline showed up yeah, I kind of got the rhythm of it at that point you know
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: like it
2: to, <laughs> frankly the was it Darwin or was it sync who's the narrator i think it's sync
1: no i think it's no yes, it's yes, yes oh no, no it's it's sync is it yeah Darwin's, Darwin's the d- one
2: that they Kidnap.
1: Take. Yes. Yes.
2: yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I there were parts where I actually felt like that was disrupting my great timeline greed.
0: <laughs> That's
2: great. You're you know what no, yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. Like, I, mean I I just really I want to look at more of the timeline. <laughs> yeah. Like
2: that like what they were doing there and the way Tom Mueller and I guess Hickman worked all that out, like was super interesting. Yeah. I agree. And then And then to have them come back to this comic book bullshit, I was like, all right, come on. (laughs) Give me me back my diagram.
0: That's hilarious. (laughs) So, yeah, now that we kind of have a better idea of, you know, I guess, like, the timeline in general, like, what, you know, how long they've been there, what they went through and everything, um, how did you – like – how did you guys feel about this being kind of the the meat of it? You know, like, after the last issue, I was kind of thinking that they were going to stretch it out, and this was actually it. Like, this is kind of what I expected the last issue to be. Was that surprising to you guys, or did, did you feel like it that was what you kind of wanted?
1: Yeah, I definitely expected it to be, like, an arc or something. Like, we'd spend time with these characters, we'd go through the decades versus like the centuries, but I I, I think once once uh, you accept that I think it makes for an intro, a really enjoyable read, especially in, in the moments where you're like figuring out piece by piece how the timeline works. It it, it just made it fun, um, yeah. And it made it like a like an episodic issue. You know, like this is what it has to say in this in this issue, and then that's it. You're out. And yeah, um, that made it that was fine for me. I I, I think what I have liked. Have gotten a longer arc, yes, but I think what I got here satisfied me.
0: Yeah, I would say I agree with you. I think um the the first it's not the first, it's like the first couple pages, right? And like the right before the um you know, like the credits page, the last line is the first fifty years were the longest. Right? Mm-hmm. And then the next page is is the continuation of the timeline. And I remember being like, I was like, oh are these going to be all the issues? Like, damn, this is going to go for a while. This is crazy.
1: Oh, and and then,
0: you sweet, sweet summer child. I know. And then we get to the next one and I was like, oh no, damn, this is all going to happen right now. Fuck. And like, don't get me wrong. I, I totally agree with what Marco said in terms of, I think this is a great issue. And like, I'm, I'd rather have one great issue than like a, maybe not great arc. Yeah. But
2: X of swords.
0: Yeah. But, The timeline stuff here and the way that that played and everything, God, I would love to see that have played out over, like, five or six issues in the same way that House and Powers did so that we could be like, oh, well, the timeline in the last issue said that this was going to happen and this happened, and then, and there is the, there's a block of time that's not accounted for here, Mm.
1: which was like a...
2: Yeah, Darwin's, uh, no, Sink's imprisonment. yeah. Um, oh, I
1: thought it was because he goes under. He because doesn't he go down for like a week? He he leaves. He goes underneath. Yes. underneath and escapes the temporal thing for a week, and then he comes back, and it's been like hundreds of years later.
0: Yeah, since it's, it's over a century later. Yeah. Yes, um, that's what I'm. We're talking about the same thing. Yeah. 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 We are. Um. But but I, the point being, right, that like this timeline and all of these beats and the gap and all those things, I'm like, man, I would love to see that kind of have the breathing room that we got with house and powers. Cause I just feel like that this hitting those notes for me makes me realize how much I miss that period in the book, in the overall story, you know, I,
2: I, th- I think we will. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it would be served well here. At least for what Hickman wants to do. Yeah, that's fair. Like the broader story that he's got, I think would be, uh, is gonna be. I think I do think it will be similar to Hox Pox. but I think um, he's probably still got a long way to go because this was always gonna be two issues.
1: Mm. Hmm. I. So. So you you're saying like you think that at some point they're gonna revisit, or what? Oh, yeah.
2: no? I, I think this. What I, I guess what I'm saying is I I think this was the right amount.
1: Oh okay. okay. I see. If
2: okay. If if anything, I would have liked to have spread this over into issue 18
0: with the, some, the diagrams and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I agree.
1: Um, I think the only thing that would have maybe played for that extended period would have been the love story, like seeing uh, X-23 and Sync sort of get closer. Like you get those moments and they still work because Pikmin's like an effective storyteller, but I think they they would have served as like character pieces if that's the thing he wanted to explore. And I think Sean sometimes uh, mentions this, that he, he wants to spend more time with some of these characters and some of these issues mm-hmm. but like I don't mind this larger narrative it it, it feels like uh, you know he just want he just wanted to get the point across that it was because they these X-Men specifically went into the vault that they were able to get the third and fourth generation of children and by me- by trying to meddle basically they sort of sealed that future
0: yep yeah, and, and I, I agree with everything you're putting down, Marco. Like I, I think Hickman's a really effective storyteller and he he's done this he's done right by the story, I think. Yes. I think if anything, my desire for more of it speaks to the fact that this is such a good issue. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so you you mentioned the the romance angle and that was something I did want to touch on, um, because I found that to be one of the uh the more compelling parts of the issue and it is the thing I'm definitely the most interested in. Um coming out of it because that that's kind of the end of the issue right is we we get you know um this interesting situation where sync is able to psychically reach out to the professor somehow and basically the version of him that's had this lived experience makes it back and he's younger, he's in his new body or whatever, but he's lived for hundreds of years and he's had all these experiences. Him and Laura fell in love. And now uh Laura and um Darwin are coming back in their pre vault date like state. You know, they they remember I'm none sad. of this So, you know, um I he had this I love the way that this is explained. Um the, the line is I think of the lifetimes I've spent with this person that I know them better than anyone else on the planet maybe more than anyone ever will. And how and I wonder I have to wonder, how do you explain such a thing? How do you even start the conversation? Um and then you know she kind of gives him a look, pulls out the claws and says, "What are you looking at?" like they're the strangers they were when they started this. Um and uh, he smiles about it. You know and and he's like excited to try. And I yeah. think that that is a sweet moment, and it's it's mm-hmm. well written. but I also think it's really compelling. and it speaks to the strength of what Hickman's doing with the X-Men right now, I think, in the idea that like, I love his interest in exploring uh comic booky things in a, in a naturalistic kind of way, right? The idea that like like this is a, a super, like it's a love story that's got this in very very strange superhero sci-fi uh element to it and that makes it feel fresh and novel mm. you know um and this kind of idea of like what what do things like you know uh loving someone forever mean when you're <laughs> immortal um you know what is what what makes us us like those kinds of questions and getting to explore them through, you know, very familiar things to us. um, I think has been really effective and one of the most exciting things about, about the X-Men right now.
1: And and like right before that same panel, Pete, um, he, he mentions like how to exactly what you're saying, right? If they're, they're not humans. They're, they're mutants, and so they have a different perception about these things. And he says, you know, love is not dying for someone. It's living for them. So where Laura dies for him, he will continue to live for her insofar as he's able to make her – they're able to rekindle that love to some extent because they have that opportunity. Then that's not something that a human could experience or do. That's only something that the mutants can do. And that, that I think is also a really cool way to, for him – for Hickman to frame this
0: yeah the that the page before that line friend confidant, partner lover, these are human words used to describe human relationships measured in human years. Mm-hmm. right And it's like, yeah, like these things are so it's just so different, you know like the rules are so different from for them now and they they as a people have only just scratched the surface, you know yeah. and the interesting question is like what does that look like in 50, 100, 150 years, you know, longer. Um, Where there's this just immortal society of people that just keep growing, you know? Mm -hmm. It's fascinating stuff. Um, Yeah, so I really enjoyed this issue. I'm excited to see what the ramifications of it are. Like, obviously it has some pretty big implications for the overall status quo of the X-Men and, you know, what's going on with the post-humans and and the, the machines and that kind of, like, future that we seem to be barreling towards another version of. Um, but also just interpersonally, what it means for these characters is something I'm, I'm excited to see
1: continue to develop. Yeah. Azrar's art was, like, okay. Um, there were a few moments, like, uh, let's see what page this is, at least in my version, page 14, but where... Uh, an X23 has like this weird body position. There there are a few things here that made me like a little like, all right, the art's like it's serviceable. It does a good job in, in moments, but it's not like I would have loved to have seen this issue with um was it Linelle Francis U. Yeah that would have been some crazy ass shit. I will say
0: um, I did like a lot of the dis the like the redesigns like the way that you see their original costumes break down and then they mm. kind of get new looks over time and and like that the the seeing the progression in the characters through the art I thought was effective.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, nah, this is this is a cool issue. Like for uh, uh art aside, um in some of its moments, it's just, it's a strong it's a strong issue.
0: Yeah. I think this is the best issue of X-Men in a while.
1: Yeah. At least from like a story perspective.
0: Yeah. It's mm. good stuff. All right. So let's jump into our last selection this week. Another one from Marvel. Uh, and this is Beta Ray Bill by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. Hell yeah. Hell yeah.
1: Yeah. The and man, then, um... the myth, the legend.
0: Daniel <laughs> Warren Johnson, and then we also had uh, VC's Joe Cibino helping out Daniel Warren Johnson with lettering, so want to shout that out as well. Um, I don't, I don't know where to start with this one. I, I didn't know what to expect with this book. Like Beta Ray Bill is a character I'm familiar with, um, mostly tangentially. I had like a Beta Ray Bill trade um, as a teenager that I remember reading, but like. It was kind of like a not origin. It's just he goes on an adventure or whatever and I'm like, all right, he's alien Thor, cool. He seems fine. Um so this is kind of like my first real look at him and yeah. I loved this issue. Yeah. First of all, yeah, uh yeah. both or Johnson. Yeah, both artistically and and story-wise, I thought it was great. Um but I was surprised by the direction that it shows. Um, I remember in the beginning thinking I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. Very stylish. It feels like kind of like a popcorn comic. And then mm-hmm. there becomes this very serious interpersonal drama. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is that's kind of... That's Daniel Ward Johnson. I was like, yeah. this is really sad. And this is like, yep. he's tragic. And oh, oh, I was... man
2: knows emotions.
0: Yeah, and I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, I like this guy. I want to root for him. Like, he, he's a... Uh, He's an underdog, you know? And I like him.
1: Uh, whatever Warren Johnson puts out, it's hot fire. Like, yep. he's he's a super consistent creator from a writing perspective and from an art perspective that he was the reason I got this. I'd never read a, anything regarding Baby Bill. I didn't know who he was up until a few years ago when you guys have mentioned it. And, dude, I'm a fan. That's it. Like...
2: Yeah, you would like Betty Ray Bill.
1: It's fucking rad. Yeah. Uh the uh the Lady Sith moment broke my heart. That was so oh, sad.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. Man. Like the just the whole the whole of it too. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it cuz I don't know. I feel like there are writers sometimes and I feel like this way especially with comics writing where um movies too where like you sometimes hint at emotions and you're like, yeah. you you're left to infer, and you're like, oh, that's so sad. Imagine how he would feel like. Whereas with this, that whole, except for where it gets a little expositional, um, you feel the tone change so much, mm-hmm. right? Like they they're at the party, and you can tell he's depressed, and you know he kind of shakes off uh, this guy who is a fan and really wants to appreciate him while he's feeling unappreciated and that's sad and then you know you get this this tender like intimate moment with him and Sif going back and it's like okay cool like this is this is nice this is comfortable you know like this is sweet you can tell that there's a warmth and an intimacy there and then then that wall comes up and yikes man yeah like like heartbreaker.
1: Dude, this panel right here. Done. That panel. Fuck.
0: Yeah, it's just the O.
1: Gosh dang it. Hold on, find <laughs> it. <laughs> it's literally just this oh this O moment of just that panel, the distance between them, yep. the emptiness is just fucking good.
0: They don't look at each other. Yeah. And the the way that, like, the way that that dialogue plays out, she goes, oh, and then she goes, Bill, I'm sorry. And he cuts her off and goes, Sif, please, I understand. I am not blind. Oof. And then just leaves. Oof. Like, she doesn't even try to stop him. I was like, right? oh, my fucking God. Like, yikes. I mean, But, like, what's she going to say? <laughs> I know. You're right. But, like, it, it hurts. Like, it's, like, yeah. shit. Like, that is that is rough especially when he was already feeling dejected and feeling like an yeah. outsider and like for me you know the, the, I think that's the best moment in the issue but I also really love uh the the moment where you know he's getting his clock cleaned he's been the one here defending Asgard and leading the the army and then Thor comes in and you know saves a day or whatever and like there's that shot of You know, um, oh, it's good to see you all again, right? And uh, and his boy Volstagg is like, you know, to Thor, the savior and protect. And then Bill, out, uh, out on the the periphery of the crowd, alone, beaten, like, just like that. Immediately, I was like, oh wow, like I identify with this character now. Like I, I immediately empathize with who he is. And like what his reality is here among these people, where he should be a hero and he's an outsider.
2: Uh, Fin Fang Foom.
0: Love Fin Fang Foom, man. Ooh, that was a dope fight.
2: Easily one of my favorite Marvel characters, villains. That um, Finfeng never heard Finfeng of him. Fum.
0: Ooh, you wouldn't have. That that page, uh, where he gets electrocuted. That was one of those pages where I was like, "Man, I'd love to own that." Oh yeah, what a fucking page that is! Or this this weird one where he's reaching out with his whole neck to bite a bunch of dudes' heads off. Yeah, yeah, man. The art is like visceral, mm-hmm. and I the the lettering too is fucking yeah. rad. Like that's that's the stuff that's built into the art yeah that's and and i guess that's good shit i guess that's uh warren johnson's part of it i don't know but
1: yeah it says uh VC joe Sabrino and danny warren johnson on lettering yeah so, so i'm wondering I... if
0: johnson does the on-page stuff and and yeah uh joe yeah. is probably doing like the bubbles but um yeah the way that those feed into the scenes is insane like, uh, like that. The that page is another one that I, I wouldn't mind owning. The where he he's addressing everybody, and he's like soldiers of Asgard, right? And it's like even that it's handwritten, and yep. it's like chunky and inky, and you know. And then there's like the hooah and like that it's busting out of the fucking uh, oh, the, the border, page. and it's like it's kind of cut off a little bit. Like it's not even contained on the page quite. Like it just. It's good, and then the next page too, uh, for YouTube viewers. Marco's showing it, but it's uh, when he's he's got the axe up, and everybody's yells "I" behind him, like just just you can't even make it out on, on Marco's screen right now because it's so built into the background.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, it's it's good. It's really good stuff.
1: I think I think the biggest thing is like uh, he he comes from like a more underground comics space. So that, like, he makes, yeah. he takes, he takes advantage of all of those, all of those elements. Um, yeah. the, the, the lettering, the stuff that gets built into the art. And he's also, um, he is also really visceral as an artist. Like, he mm-hmm. uh, is, his whole thing is like, like, Murder Falcon, um, which is his image book, fucking rad. Uh, yeah. it's Pete, Robots you fighting.
2: Re- you gotta read Murder Falcon. Yeah. yeah dude. Okay. I'll check You'll it out. I love Murder Falcon.
1: Robots fighting to heavy metal is basically like the, the concept.
2: All right. The main, the main character is an eagle with a robot arm that plays, that shreds heavy metal guitar. Okay.
0: Yeah. yeah that sounds fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I think that's the thing. That's, sorry, uh, yeah. that's Mike Spicer.
1: Same color. No, I, that's oh. Daniel Warren Johnson, baby.
0: I'm sorry. I didn't realize Mike Spicer just did colors. Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 It's just, he just does the colors, but I think it's also Mike Spicer. I think they do oh, it yeah? together often. Uh, is that true? Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah, Am no, I... you're right. Cool, cool. Yes.
0: I Marco. Good match. I see why.
2: Yeah. Uh, Mike Spicer does a lot of coloring work for guys who uh, write and draw their stuff. Uh, he's on um, Head Lopper as well. Oh, cool. uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, I was interested that this is sort of technically a king uh, what is it king in black yeah Yeah, technically a tie in black tie-in um did this did you read silver
1: surfer black marco i did yes is it similar to this no um silver surfer black is just like his adventures and shit it's um,
2: well is it i guess my question is does it feel like a tie-in in in the the way this does or does it feel like an actual tie-in
1: No, no. It feels more so like like the way this does. Like like this, I feel like informed what I understood of King in Black, and this sort of is informed by King in in Black, but not, you know, directly the uh, a follow up or something.
0: Yeah, it it, to me it felt more like elsewhere in the Marvel universe.
2: Yeah, yeah. Silver Surfer Black doesn't feel like that. You're saying?
0: No, no, not not at all. Not at
2: all. All right. Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Silver Surfer Black. That's an older book. Are you talking about something else?
2: It well, it's a king and
0: king, king and black tie. Oh, in. there's a it's so like there's related. a new Silver Surfer black.
1: No, no, no. The that Silver Surfer black, it it's like where he expert Kate explores a little bit more about um the specifically the the king and black. I'm forgetting the his name.
0: Symbiote. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Ooh. That's like. That's like I feel like
1: the start of that. Space. Okay. Because
0: yeah. when you said silver, I'm thinking of the Marvel Knights book that we did the book. Oh, you're thinking of Requiem. Oh, silver, is
1: that silver, what it's Requiem. called? Okay, yeah.
0: my bad. Um. Okay. But yeah, I I love this issue. I'm in.
1: Yeah. This yeah, wins. for sure. And yeah. I'm
0: like, based on what Fun. you guys have said about Daniel Warren Johnson, like if this is the if this is his vibe, like I'm yeah I'm I'm a fan. I'm gonna go check Oof. out some other stuff from him. This is. This is good. Um, He
2: just recently came out with Wonder Woman Dead Earth.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, I've
2: also only heard good things about, and like the only reason I haven't gone for it is because it's a Wonder Woman book. But I'm very tempted.
1: Okay, no, dude, I've seen the art for it, and I think Carlos in the Discord has mentioned that it's like one of his favorites. It's it's awesome. And uh, Mike Spicer, uh, I just checked his Twitter. He's actually uh, the colorist on the the Swamp Thing.
0: Oh shit! Really?
1: Yeah, he's all over the place. Damn, good I didn't realize.
0: We also praised his work on that issue.
1: It's good stuff. Um,
0: yeah, that's great, man. He's all over the place.
1: I I think, and then this is my last point on it. I I think like what, uh, what Daniel Warren Johnson's able to do is, come in like guns blazing with his art style, with, um, the way that he's able to introduce. Beta, Beta Ray Bill, like, as a young character, where he is now, the love interest, uh, and then just go, like, full-fledged, kick-ass art, mm. st- uh, intimate storytelling, and then lead on to, like, what is the next thing? That is that is him all the way. And this was a perfect first issue.
0: Yeah, yep. I agree. Um, again, like I said, right, like, I, I come with almost no context of Beta Ray Bill, and, like, I'm immediately, like... I'm behind the character now. And oh, like for sure. that's what a first issue needs to do, right? Like it very clearly is like, here's who he is. Here's where he comes from. Here's who his relationships are with and, and why they matter and everything. And like establishing this antagonistic kind of uh, vibe with Thor right now. I'm like, yeah, this is a lot. This gave me a lot to grab onto. All right, cool. Best issue of the week goes to Vader Bill number
1: 1. <laughs> oh by oh, far. Yeah. By far. Instant subscribe.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm in. I'm I'm definitely back for number 2. Um and I I definitely want to keep reading it for this uh this show. So, um we'll be back to review number 2. Um if you guys want to let us know what you thought about our picks this week, uh, please write into us at thecomicspals at gmail.com or come uh, hit us up um, in our Discord uh, where we've got our comic chat and we're chatting about what books we're reading over there all the time. Uh, so, yeah, come be a part of it. Come let us know what you're reading. And if there are any books that were on your pull list this week that we didn't get to that you think we should be checking out or maybe getting around to next time, uh, please write in and let us know. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next week for another Comics Pals comic review.
1: Stay tuned for Band Ray Phil.
0: Oh, and don't forget, uh, Geiger on Wednesday. Check it out. Yes. Thanks, Image, for the pre-release.